Welcome. We're so glad you've taken this opportunity to grow your faith by listening to this teaching. At CLC, it is our heart to see every believer equipped to fulfill the plan that God has for your life. For more information about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. Now let's hear some faith-building teaching from Pastor Gwen Drager. Amen. While you're looking in your Bibles this morning for Second uh, Corinthians chapter 4, no, we're going to go somewhere else. We're going to go to Ephesians chapter 1. And while you're looking for that, I'll tell you a little story because I like to do that. I like to tell stories, <clears throat> especially when they follow up some of the things that Pastor Ann was talking about following instructions. And for those of you who don't know, before I was married, I joined Covenant Players and traveled around with that ministry for a couple of years. And prior to that, during my teen years, my father was often rebuilding cars and, and things like that. And I was often the flashlight holder for my husband. He was not my husband then. And my brother and my dad, and they, they did all kinds of things with cars. And, and I learned how to rebuild a carburetor. Back then, there were terrible things. Holly carburetors were nasty business. But I learned how to rebuild them along with everything else that was going on. <clears throat> So when I was with Covenant Players and we were traveling, we discovered that one of the, and they were Dodges, so they all had holly carbs and it was terrible. And we discovered that this one, it was, it was having a lot of troubles and it had part of the engine inside as well as outside, it was that kind of van. And so we'd take off the inside. I ended up having to, to continually adjust the timing because the timing belt had gone, but we needed to just get to a place where we could work on it so I was bending things inside so that I could turn the distributor just a little bit more to adjust the timing so it would start one more time and get to the next place. And so I continued this and had to change things around and push things around. And when I finally got to, we got to this next place, uh, the fellow there who knew, who was our leader at that particular time knew nothing about engines. I had a book on, on engines and I rebuilt and took apart and replaced a timing chain. But I had to follow the instructions. Now, at that time, my husband Barry was living in Houston, British Columbia, and working as a mechanic up there. And what I did when I took apart it, and, and praise the Lord, they let us use one of their barns to do this in the, the site. And so as I took every piece off, I take it off and I put all the bolts with it. And sometimes they had spacers. So I take off a bolt and spacers, and I, and I praise the Lord, I didn't have to I was very careful not to adjust the uh, air conditioning, and that was Barry's instruction, because I kept phoning him. Okay, this is what I'm doing. He goes, you're doing what? Anyway, it was telephone call, so I couldn't see him. Praise the Lord, FaceTime wasn't then, although it would have helped in many ways. And I put all the pieces along the floor with all their bits as I took them off one by one. So I started here, and I made a line with all the pieces. And line upon line, precept upon precept, I took it apart. Now, there were a lot of things I didn't know I didn't know you had to have everything lined up before you, so they wanted, uh, was it lined up? Did you have like the first, did you have it in uh, top dead center? Sure. I rented a thing to change it all and, and I, I wasn't sure about that. I didn't know about the fine points because that wasn't in the book. There are a lot of things that are in this book that we try to interpret and try to put it to practice 
and, and sometimes we don't get it quite right. At the end of the day, I put it all back together. And, I, and as we're coming to the end, I realized I had one little bit, like Ann said, and there was a screw left over. I had a piece of, of, of a spacer left over. And I'm like, I prayed, God, show me where it goes. And it was like in the alternator. So I took that part apart, put it back in, and then everything was good. And then I prayed, oh, God, let it start the first time. Boom, away it went, and we were happy. But you know what I had to do? I remembered before I started it, I better move that distributor back where it should be. <laughs> I cranked it back, and I was using a wrench and put it that together. Following instructions is important. And uh, that, that van went on for another couple of years, and, and they, were, they said, you did what? Everybody said, you did what? <laughs> Tell you what, I'm sure my husband was just, what is she doing down there? And but she dove in and she did it and she followed instructions. And I'm grateful for instructions today because they're very good and they help us all. One of the great instructions I received when I was in, let's see, it was about 1987, 88. And, and some people had been encouraging me. I'd started to read faith books. I've got papers everywhere, little bits and pieces of notes. Does anybody ever do that? I really am taking a Billy Brim thing. I got notes and stuff and stuff stickies and notes and praise the Lord and a mass somewhere jammed in between. I received this wonderful instruction from someone and, and I'm going to share it with you this morning because I think it's very uh, pertinent for where we're going. Amen. In Ephesians chapter one, did you find that? <clears throat> Not hard. Those letters, I think when you get born again, first thing you should do is read Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians. I know people say go read the gospels, but sometimes these books are a little easier to understand. Go back and read the Gospels after. Ephesians chapter 1. <clears throat> they told me this. Before you study the Bible, read these verses over yourself. And pray them. Starting in verse 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in your prayers, that God our Lord Jesus Christ the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and you would know the hope of your calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance of the saints. I read it really fast, but you'll get the picture. And so their concept, what they were trying to instruct me in, is before you went on to study the word of God, read this about your eyes being enlightened and have an expectation that when you turn to your study and read your Bible, that it would have an effect, that understanding would come that you previously did not have, that you'd have wisdom come out of the word for you, that you'd have revelation come out of the word for you. I love instructions and have since I was little. I always tried to follow them. I didn't always, but I like to try. And I like order, and I like rules, and I personally like formulas, even though we know we don't live that way. We walk by faith. But there's some formula in it, and God helps me. So I like that. And my expectation of understanding was that I could now turn to it. Now, I had personally struggled with the book of Hebrews and Romans a long time. And I had a hard time understanding it. Probably some of you out there are thinking, well, maybe you did too, or maybe not, and you're maybe thinking, what's wrong with that lady? Now, I, I, wasn't, I wasn't poor in English studies or anything like that. I, was, I had a good education, but sometimes it just didn't make sense to me. 
So I began to pray this. So if you're struggling or having a hard time, I highly encourage you to pray that over yourself and then have an expectation that understanding will follow. I did. And I opened up the book of Romans. And it was like, boom, boom. And when I got to chapter 7 of Romans, I went, this is my life. I could see it. It was like I was there. And Paul's going in, in Romans chapter 7. He says, that which I do, I, did not, I didn't want to do it. And I sinned anyway, but I was trying not to. And I'm like, this is me. I want to think right. I want to do right. I want to say right. I want to have a good confession. All those things. And I was struggling. And I saw the reality of it. And I realized that's Ephesians 1, 16 through 18 is working in my life. So it's just a little thing. A small instruction that opened the door. I've begun to realize in life that there's a very powerful thing. I was talking last week about the fire of God, how it brings light, how it opens our understanding, that God never wanted us to walk in Wonder Wonderland. We're not named Alice. And so we're not looking through a looking glass and going all weird and seeing large rabbits. Uh, that's not the way God wants us to live. He didn't make them mysteries. He gave us understanding. But what is understanding? What is darkness? I talked a lot about darkness last week. But darkness is not evil. Hear me very clearly. Darkness is the absence of understanding. Good thought. Think about this. I don't find a lot of no's coming from God. If you're in the no department and you feel like God's always saying no to you, you have a bigger problem and probably should make an appointment with a pastor. Because God's promises are yes and amen. So if you're in the no category, there's a problem. Yes, he says no to sin. He, he, straight up. There's no, well, you can sin tomorrow and just for a little bit between 5 o'clock in the morning and quarter after will give you this little period of grace no so so if you're having trouble comprehending that let, let's have a chat we'll we'll do that we'll walk that through with you but the problem with no's is this many people do not understand no we don't understand that God's no's are protection my children didn't they didn't understand when you said, don't touch the stove, that it was so they wouldn't get burned. They didn't understand that God's nose are protection. Their understanding was darkened. They had an absence of understanding regarding no. And this is why many people in the body of Christ are struggling. They fight the no's. They think God's all about no. You can't do this. I know all about Christianity. It's a whole long list of what you can't do. You can't do this and you can't do that and life will be boring. My life is so far from boring. It's because we don't understand the no. We think no is control. We think no is bondage, and we think every no is legalism. No is a lack of understanding about God's protection for you and I. Truth. Now, let's go a little bit further in Ephesians. Let's turn to Ephesians chapter 4. It's not far from one. My Bible, it's just a page over. Not a whole chapter like Pastor Ann talked about. A couple of chapters. Chapter 4. 
verse 17. This is after God's talked about to them all about giving gifts and how they'll bring and God's kind of unity flowing. Verse 17, it says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth, that means from here on, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, having what? Their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through ignorance. Now, this is not the kind of ignorance where we call people name or insult them. It means void of knowledge. There's, there's a, a big black hole where knowledge should be. Ignorance. So alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Now, if you remember, I talked about, you know, last week about darkness and light. And in him was the light and the life was the light of men. So if you've got the light of Jesus Christ... You should have understanding, pretty simple. But when you're embracing, holding fast to, and locked into the vanities of your own mind, you will walk in darkness because men love the darkness because their deeds were evil. Their deeds were evil, not darkness. Their deeds, their actions, what they were doing, that was the evil part, and they were using understanding as a cover for that. Really, most people don't understand that all of those things that they're doing in the dark, they don't grasp that, and they don't understand that those things are hurting them. If they really grasped the pain of their sin, they wouldn't do half of what they do. They wouldn't. If you knew, some people say, well, you know, there's things in my life that I said, well, God, I know this will only hurt me. That was, that was such a big lie. The sins I, I did and I committed in my life always hurt more than me. And they, your sin will always hurt more than yourself. You think, well, I'm only doing this to myself. No. Every person who loves you, you'll affect them. Just like when you throw a rock into a pond and it ripples. There'll be a ripple effect. Your decisions affect others. So our decided blindness, in that case, to cover the evil, it's really a lack of understanding of what we're participating in and how it hurts others. So the ignorance in them because of the blindness of their heart. Watch this, verse 19. Who being past feeling have given themselves over to lasciviousness and to work all uncleanness with greediness, but you have not so learned in the anointed one and his anointing. You see, God has given us his only son, Jesus Christ, who's anointed to help us, who's anointed to carry us through, who's anointed to bring us understanding, who is anointed to bring us life, who's anointed to open our eyes. And when we open them, we begin to grasp, oh my word, I was hurting someone when I did that. I wasn't just hurting myself. And, and we give in to things like, well, I'm just disappointed God didn't do this and that for the other for me. Well, how do you know he's done? Maybe he hasn't finished work in that. And maybe the delay is because you're a little bit far from him to hear what to do. Just ask him. You see, there's a place where God wants to open our eyes and have our understanding come. 
if we understood his no was protection, if we could grab a hold of that, we'd say yes quicker. Look, this is a good thing. God's trying to help us. God's trying to help us. Amen. It's interesting that that vanity of the mind means perverseness. I'm going to read you um, this out of the message translation because I thought it was quite interesting. It says, and so I insist, and God backs me up on this. I thought, well, that's pretty good. Here comes the finger. That there be no going along with the crowd. Uh, uh, you know, sometimes the, the message translation is kind of funny, too. He said, the empty-headed, mindless crowd. They've refused for so long to deal with God that they've lost touch not only with God, but with reality itself. I thought, praise the Lord. That's so clear. I didn't have to preach it. It just preached itself right on there for me. Hey, praise the Lord. Amen. Isn't that cool? They can't think straight anymore, feeling no pain. They let themselves go in sexual obsession, addicted to every sort of perversion. I'm like, whoa, that is our world today. And if you say anything else, you go, they'll say this to us. You don't really understand. Huh? I'm not the one with my mind darkened. I'm looking down the road. You see, I, this is going to sound very odd to you, but I've had some people, met some people, prayed for some, lots of people through the years. I had some people tell me, well, well, pornography is a personal thing. It only affects me, and, and it's just my own thing. Really? So who made the video? What girl was in there who was of some unspoken age that had to do all that? How did that actually happen? So it only involved you? Really? Who's making money off that? You worry about God spending money bad and God's people. Well, that's a whole nother issue, isn't it? People's sexual obsessions gone nuts in our world. And they say that we as believers don't understand. But it's when our eyes come open and we see the pain in families. When I've seen the pain of someone on the street and I know that they've gotten into something and, and how the families hurt from them. Everybody started as a precious little baby. Everybody. And they think, I'm only affecting me. Well, that's an easy one to see. But did you know your lies do the same thing? What we do affects others. And when we understand how God has brought us to a precious place and offered him us such glory and light and understanding, my, my. And unfortunately, we mostly learn through the bad way first. When we grasp that what we're doing is ugly, then his beauty shines all the more. Unfortunately, in my life, I've had to take a few kicks before I finally woke up. Truth. That moment when your head hits the ground and you go, well, that was completely my fault. God had tried so many times to wake me up previously, to have me see, and I couldn't see. Because I thought I was doing well. And I didn't understand. His no was what? 
protection. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to 2 Corinthians. We're going to get this and we're going to have some fun because I know I've got you all like, moo, moo, moo. I can feel it, you know. My, my. Are we there yet? <laughs> 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Praise the Lord. You'll all live. Keep breathing. Amen. Keep breathing. Amen. Amen. This is going to help you if you can get through it long enough to get past offense and pastors talking about sin. Praise the Lord. Oh, she said that word again. Sin, 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 sin. Praise the Lord. Fire. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Are you having fun yet? Praise the Lord. It's so good. We get this and then you go, my goodness, all this time God's been trying to protect me from evil. My eyes came open. I didn't like what I saw. I ran back in the darkness. That's what happens, right? Don't run back there. There's nothing to protect you in there. Amen. Amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, what's it there for? What is it there for? We stuck that in there. All right. I love these places because we put in numbers and stuff to help us sort it out, probably so we could find it later. Addresses are helpful to find it, you know, our Bible verses. It's why sometimes it's hard in the message because they don't put all the numbers in the same places. So if it's there for, let's go back and find out what it's there for. So we're going to have to go backwards a little bit, and you'll all be all right. Just go up a couple verses. We're going to go back into chapter 3 and find out what it's there for. Verse 17, now the Lord is that spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there's all kinds of bondage because, you know, he's going to say no, we're going to end up in a trap, we won't be able to do what we want, and God's controlling. Where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, but only some of us who decided to allow him in, that we slid under that yes, it was so hard for us to do. No, it didn't say that. In my Bible, it says all, but we all. Now, here's the scary part. You all will see what you decide to do after is your business. But we all, with open face beholding, as in a glass, the glory of God, and are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. The change comes. What came first? Understanding, seeing. God opening our eyes. And if you remember that scripture that I closed with last week, that the fire came and then the glory was there. There's a place where he's longing to open our eyes so that we could see again. And when we open our eyes, we are changed. We're changed when we enter into his presence. And I understand that when we get born again, his presence comes inside of us. But there is an external presence as well that helps us with all the other bits that we've had trouble with. And they need some changing. They need some changing. So let's go back. Now we're in four. We're going to keep going and find out about some of these changes that he puts into effect. How does this glory change us? What does it do? How does it open our eyes? What's going to happen when your eyes come open? Seeing we have this what? Oh, my goodness. A service. Say service instead of ministry. 
service because that's really what it is. This is a place we serve from. We have this ministry. We have this serving part. Oh, this is so good just to see it from a new perspective. As we have received mercy, we faint not. What? Think about it. Your eyes come open. You begin to have the change. You don't like it because it doesn't feel like you anymore, and some of it should be gone. Praise the Lord. There are some parts of me I'm glad went in the grave. Amen? And I'm not looking to resurrect those or for Jesus to do it. I want his resurrection life, not my old man trying to live. Right? There are some things we need to let go of and have changed. As they change, we realize that God puts in us a ministry, a service. There's something he wants us to serve. And he wants us to serve in his grace and his mercy. And in that, and when we're under his hand and moving with it, we will have the very strength to complete it. We won't faint. But it's always a choice. Fainting is a choice. It's a choice not to faint. How do you know that? Because it says we faint not. It doesn't say God will pull you up. He will. He'll set your feet upon a rock, and that's true, and he'll put you in places, and he'll settle you, but you're the one who has to decide to stand. If you lay there, you might be on the rock, but if you're laying down, that's your trouble. If you're moping, he didn't make you mope. All those things, right? Fainting is a choice. Don't faint. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Who does that? God said, I won't grow weary in well-doing. He's going to get me off this chair and make me celebrate Jesus. Amen. I, I should just keep going, Gwen. Oh, look at this. Here we are again, talking about the things people don't like. We've renounced, put aside the hidden things. Men love the darkness because their deeds were evil. The hidden things of dishonesty, not walking in craftiness. You see, well, I've been saved now for 25 years, and I've been living a righteous life. I read my Bible for an hour every day, and I pray. I pray, Pastor. I pray from 9 o'clock in the morning until 9.30. And I make those confessions. Come on. Because you've never done anything wrong since you got saved. Oh, dear. Or handling the word of God deceitfully. And now, I like to look up words because I think that's kind of cool. This is what it means, deceitfully, to ensnare or corrupt. If you need a lesson on corruption, a couple of weeks ago, Pastor Neil preached a real good sermon on the incorruptible word. Don't use the word as a corruption in your life. What do I mean by that? How can I handle the word of God and bring corruption? Well, I tell you how. When you get into legalism, make a bunch of rules that no one could keep, including you. And then you put them on everybody else and expect them to keep the rules you can't. Now, I said before, I like rules. I do. And perfectionism, I think, is a sin. And I've had to confront it in my life. I've had to say, you know what? I'm not perfect. Jesus is. 
I'd like to be perfect. I know he's perfecting in me and he's maturing and it really means I get it. But for all of you out there who, who never want to have a wrong answer, come on. He is the answer and we have him. And you'll blow it sometimes. Get over it. And, and if you think you're so righteous that you're telling me you never sin, go read First John chapter 1. Because it says you're a liar. I didn't write that. Get over yourself. Just. Yes, you've sinned since you got born again. But the blood of Jesus, hallelujah. Just don't stay in it. Don't make a parade around it. And don't make any excuses for it. Well, you don't know I was having a bad day. Um, bad days aren't an excuse for sin. I was having a really rough time, so I went back to drinking. That surely fixed things. Come on now. Come on, don't handle the word. Well, it's okay, because there's the grace of God. That's the most famous one. It's okay. I went and slept with my neighbor's wife, but I repented afterwards, so we're all good, God. That's an abuse. That's turning the word of God. But it can be just as wrong when it ends up in perfection. Perfectionism has to get underfoot just like everything else. I cannot do it all, and I certainly cannot do it by myself. But when I yield, hoo, 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 look out below. <laughs> Hallelujah. Oh, that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, it dwells in me, and it quickens my mortal body. And I'll tell you what, I might be 60 years old, but you wouldn't know. Not by the energy level that God puts inside of me and his strength. And I don't faint because I choose not to. For all you people out there going, come on. Stop it. Stop whining and stop fainting. Get up. Amen. Whining isn't praying in faith. It's praying yourself up. Go listen to Pastor Jason's message last week on praying. Get that sorted out. Don't pray yourself into doubt. Amen. Oh, my goodness, I think we got through halfway through verse 2. <laughs> uh, handling the word of God deceitfully, but by what? Manifestation of the truth. Oh, glory to God. Do you remember I talked about the service part? We're talking about serving, serving, bringing it up. We are to manifest the truth. That means there is an anointing and the glory of God to help us minister truth. Serve truth. Here it is. And look at that lovely platter it came on. You may not like the vessel that serves you truth, but I'll tell you what you'll like, how truth affects your life. You'll love it. When truth comes into me, whether I squirm or not, the work it does in me. Oh, glory to God, I love it. Oh, because you know what? Because the little, the little part that really would like to be perfect but realizes, you know, the whole trip. That part, when God works his truth in me, and I know I'm clean, whew, oh man, that's so good, so good, so good. And we are called to serve that. Whew. Commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. God's watching. <laughs> But if our gospel be hid, it's, him to, it's hid to those that are lost. 
The world is looking for us to be serving up truth. They're not looking for us to be like them. They already are like them. They are already all about making robots and making everybody look like them. And no matter what the culture of the day is, you can always find out by how everyone's dressed and how it's affected them. We're not called as a church to put up a show that looks like something you'd turn on TV for. We're not called to be here and wear the latest clothes, although some of them are kind of cool. But we're not here to put on a fashion show. We're not here to have all the right makeup or our eyebrows perfect. Praise the Lord for that one. I can't manage the like eyelash things, but some people do and they do it well and bless their little hearts, amen. But we're not here to do all that. We're not here to be the world. We're not here to look like the world so that they hopefully might accept something that we might have to say. And if you got that one, don't ask me to repeat it. We're not here to do that. Our calling is to serve truth. And they need us to do that and to manifest it and to live it because if it's hid, it's hid to them. Sometimes the truth is hard for them because they have not understood what? That understanding is light and that knows are God's protection. Look at verse 4. This is why, in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not. So they're in a blinded state currently. We know that. That's why they keep flipping it over. Come, be like us, be like us. Accept my sin. You don't love me unless you accept my sin. We accept you, but what you're doing is sin. The truth here is this. It will never be sufficient for any person to accept your sin to help you accept it yourself. It will never work. It will never work. There will never be enough people to accept your sin so that you'll feel better about it. Never. That's the truth. And there's a great call from the world to want us to accept their sin and qualify acceptance as love. But because we love, we serve truth. Right? We love them. Now that doesn't mean we throw it in their face and tell them all they're going to burn in hell. That's, that's not going to work in case you thought it might. That's not the way through those hard places. But you have to understand that coming into agreement in their demand for acceptance of sin will not fix it. The only thing that will fix it is the blood of Jesus. Hallelujah. So the God of this world has blinded them and blinded their what? Minds. So they don't have what? Understanding. Their understanding is darkened, just like we saw in Ephesians chapter 4. Their understanding is darkened. They're living in the dark because their deeds are evil. 
Now, let's just talk what, a little bit more about the evil part so that we understand as truth dispensers that sin is evil. It separates us and keeps, it from, keeps us from that place in God. It is impure and unholy and all of those things. And so sometimes we put the word evil in there and we think evil is a the evil is witchcraft, satanism and and all those snakes and all that stuff. But evil is the dark things that people do. It's the the dark it's where their understanding is is darkened and they are doing sin without any uh any remorse for it, any regret for it, any and, and embracing sin as a lifestyle that's evil it could be lying it could be lying could be thieving whatever is sin and a continuance in it and a purposeful sinning in life is evil keeps you from god so let's not just go oh well that guy was a satanist and he's evil we have to kind of get things right so that we understand when we're dealing with people and and evil is a word that has in our day become something that that's not what really the Bible's saying, right? All sin is evil. Amen. Make sense. Good. So so them which believe not, lest what happened? We're halfway through verse four of Second Corinthians four. Lest the light of the glorious gospel say glory filled, because that helps us understand glory filled gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. For we preach not ourselves, but Jesus Christ the Lord, and ourselves your servants for Jesus' sake. Watch this, verse 6. It's, it's, it's so exciting. It's so wonderful. For God, who did what? He commanded the light to shine out of darkness. Pretty awesome. Well, that's really great. God's so big, and we treat sometimes his words with a lesser degree of power. But when God commands something, this is, this is amazing. Out of darkness, out of everything going crazy. And when you look at the present time we're in, we think a lot of people say, where's your God? Where's your God? He right here. I love the testimony from one of our members who was working in a shelter and walking among those who were uh, filled with that virus. And they had a virus outbreak there. And, and this person was walking amongst them wearing a mask but ministering to these people and one after another after another was was uh, falling out now not every one of them but in the midst of this he had a John G. Leak experience and praying for them and it never touched him he's uh, six different times he's told me he's been checked for that thing and it hasn't got on him we don't need to be afraid he's pleading the blood of Jesus and it's working in him and he's not getting touched by it amen it's great testimony and all of you went, amen. Praise the Lord. We don't have to be worried, amen. God commanded. He commanded the light to shine out of darkness. And he shine in my heart only. Mm -mm. He shined in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Now, somewhere along the line, 
<coughs> somebody should be going, well, praise God, that's so, I'm starting to get this. My understanding is coming. He's commanded light to shine. He's commanded light to shine. Even when darkness tried to hold our understanding underfoot. The world is, is a dark place. But it is not able in any way to hold us underfoot. As we realize God's calling us into his marvelous life. He's commanded his light to shine in me and you. When we begin to grasp this and our understanding comes open. We realize we're not the ones that the God of this world has blinded. We're not those. Our eyes are open and we see. And when we see, understanding comes and darkness has no power. Words of this world have no power. God's commanding. He's commanding light in me. He's commanding light in you. And that means understanding. And it means help. And it means divine protection. Because where you have an understanding of his nose, you have an understanding of his yes. And when you understand his yes, you won't worry. You remember I said, you won't worry. It can't have a place in you. His light comes. You begin to understand God is a mighty God. He is more than able. And while you have been saying that, something happens inside where you go, this is real. And it settles. And now when he says he set your feet upon a rock and you shall not be moved and that the fainting not, now it's a little easier. It's a little easier to stand up and go, right, come on. Because you know who's got your back and your front and your sides. We have a garrison. Oh, we've got a glorious garrison. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. He commanded, he commanded, he commanded light. It doesn't matter what you felt. Hallelujah. Verse 7. We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So for all of you who said, well, that's, yeah, I know when we get to heaven, Pastor, we're going to experience the glory of God. And it's going to be wonderful. And oh, happy day. When we get called home to glory. I don't have a tissue, but we could wave my mask. We begin to wave it and we think, that's one day I'm waiting for that. I'm not waiting for that day. I'm not. I have, I'm not worried about dying. I'm not worried about living either. I have a treasure right here in this mortal body. This mortal body. This earthen vessel. God uses them. That's his mercy and grace. I mean, come on. Some of us go, this one? Yes. Yes, this one. I think it was Pastor Anna said, you don't have to wait till everything's right. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be a certain age. You don't have to be a certain sex. You don't have to be a certain size. He uses earthen vessels, and he commanded light to shine in you. He says, we have this treasure. We have this treasure, and that, I think, is part of it. I think that's part of it. We have not recognized 
the treasure of light. We have not given it proper reverence and fear. The very understanding of God. When we began in Ephesians chapter 1 and the excellency of the power, all of those things that our eyes would be understanding, knowing our purpose, that we're called to be servants of this great glory, servants of understanding, servants who bring forth light, servants who bring forth truth, that we haven't taken the time to treasure what God has truly commanded into our heart. Do we honor what God has given us enlightenment on? Where those places where he said, oh, and you had that, whoa, when you were reading his word and it came alive in you. How have you treasured those things? How have you held them up? How have you feared and honored that revelation that he gave you? Do you remember when? Is it got a right place in your heart? When those words are being spoken, when revelation is coming, when there's an illumination of his word that you're hearing or witnessing in present gatherings. When that word is broken open and you can sense the very life of God in it. Do you consider it a treasure? Do you honor that word? Or do you look at the earthen vessel that carried it? It's a good question. It is time to come back to treasuring the great and marvelous things of God. If he helped me understand if he helped me know what is good, what is right, and what is true, and it changed me, it'll work for you. For all the times in my life, I've been stubborn. You, Pastor? Sure. You don't get to be this fireball of person and not have a few kinks and things that God got to like. But surrender has never been something I've regretted paying. Never. And the every moment of yielding and surrender has brought forth a vessel the finer. Every time. Every time. And then I got so excited. I have a treasure that God has blessed me with. Do you know what treasure he's hid in your heart that needs to go out into the world that needs to come up and be served to others. Have you seen the strength of it? Have you witnessed its glory that wants to pour out to others? It's time to honor again and come back to those basics of fearing God and fearing his greatness. Not being afraid of God, but a divine reverence of his principles divine recollection of his greatness a divine moment where we recognize he is God and he is over all and in all in revelations chapter 1 we see this glorious picture of Jesus Christ coming to the church I've talked about the fire that illuminates how it surrounds us with a wall when there aren't any natural walls. That that glory would come as this firewall of light and understanding surrounds us. We need to understand who he is again in a fresh way. We need to honor 
those things. In Revelations chapter 1 and 14, it says his, heir, his head, this Jesus, and his hairs were white like wool, as white as snow, and his eyes a flame of fire. And in Proverbs, it talks about the eyes being the window to the soul. Our soul needs a go-over. It needs that revelation from Ephesians chapter 1, the eyes of our understanding in our souls where we get enlightened, in that place where our mind has had opportunities to worry many times, in the places of our mind that get so trapped with the world's words in the places of our mind that need a go over, where we're renewed in the spirit of our mind, that there is a place where Jesus' eyes are shining like fire that long to go through and minister. As he said, he commanded light in our heart. He is shining. He's got light everywhere, and truth is coming forth with, from Jesus. And what are we doing on this end? How do we receive it? I want the spirit of my mind renewed. I want it cleansed. I don't want the thoughts and intents of this world blinding me and pulling me back into the dark place because I didn't understand. I understand God's knows today more than I ever have. But I also understand his yes. We have this ministry to serve up and to manifest truth by his spirit, not by ourselves. And it is a great and glorious day. We have this treasure in earthen vessels that the excellency of the power be of God and not of us. You see, this is the thing that carries us so that we faint not. We're troubled on every side, yet not distressed. Troubles are all around, but we, shouldn't, we are the ones. Should never be wiggling, not distressed. We're perplexed. Sometimes you wonder. Sometimes you look out and you think, I don't understand God. You won't be the first to ever think that. But there's help, not in despair. Persecuted, not forsaken. Cast down, not destroyed. Because we're always bearing about in this body the dying of the Lord Jesus. When we honor the understanding that Jesus gave his precious life for every one of us, then that work of his death and consequent resurrection will work in us that same glory. Oh, it will. Oh, it will. And we will rise up in that strength. Oh, and what a glorious day. And we don't have to wait till tomorrow. Because now is the time of salvation. Hallelujah. Well, you should be stirred this morning. Stirred about the great glory of our God. The great capacity to raise up and protect every one of us. It is in us. And we have a great mission to stand for truth. To proclaim his word. To know that he is there protecting us every step of the way. 
Oh, we can be confident in him. This is the day. This is the hour. This is our time. And we are alive. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you for your commands. That you commanded light to shine in our heart. That it changes us. That understanding comes. And that we will not regret any no that we have perceived. But understand it had a purpose and a reason. And we thank you God this day. Understanding comes for the yeses. That those yeses are open doors. That they're open ways into future and purpose. God I thank you that you're stirring in every person. That they're hearing this morning your voice more than any other. And God I thank you again. For that prophetic word about the sounds of change. I thank you for it. I thank you for it. I thank you that every person can hear that sound. And know that it is not the sounds of something terrible coming. God I recognize that sometimes when they hear the sound of an abundance of rain. They think flood and a a destruction of land. There's no destruction of land in this kind of rain. There's a lifting up, a restoring, a delivering, a healing, miracles, and further understanding, greater light as his people grab hold and live that light. And I thank you for it. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening today. We hope you have been strengthened and encouraged by the message you've heard. To hear more from our pastors or to learn more about Celebration Life Church, you can visit our website at celebrationlife.ca. You can contact us by phone at 604-594-7327 or you can write to us at Unit 2A, 13139 80th Avenue, Surrey, B.C., V3W3B1.